Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, probably a part of NBC Sports Edge, powered by Roto World. I'm your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. If you are looking at any views of this, which I'm not sure we're live just yet, but uh, that is a beautifully tan Christopher Crawford out there as he is just back from a recent sabbatical from, how do you pronounce it? Hawaii? Is Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, one of the eyes is definitely silent, it's, but it's a sometimes silent eye, it's right? not. It's always, it always yeah. gets me at the end. So and tell me about you, the trip, man. It, it was great. It was awesome. That was the first time I'd been in 26 years now, which so it was amazingly things have changed in 26 years, but it also hasn't. Like it. I remembered the, <laughs> the water being pl- real, real blue and the water was really, really blue. Amazing food. Like if you are into Japanese food, sushi, tonkatsu, whatever man i think that's like the culinary mecca because you're getting all of that and you're getting the fresh seafood it was so good so many meals that cost more than i usually spend on a week of meals but it is it is so worth it it's it's easy to say that uh for people who i I totally understand that it's not for everybody and people are just fine getting their two for two and and that's fine too but i was very happy and it was nice to take a week uh to enjoy some blue water and whatever the heck color you call sand. I will be honest. I think it's just sand. I think it's just sand. Okay. Color. Sand color. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's classic Tatooine. Uh, yes. But I, was, <laughs> but I, I gotta say, I almost didn't need to ask you how your vacation went because Chris, I have never seen anyone live tweet a vacation quite so well <laughs> as in depth as you. I could tell you the number of drinks you had each day because each one oh. of them got their own special tweet. Yeah, you know what? It's a good thing you didn't because I would have gone over my limit. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> I'm sorry to everybody under 21 or anyone who's a teetotaler, but um, I drank Hawaii. I, I mean, I literally drank the state good. of Hawaii, and it was everything blue and anything my tie. My ties are so good. By Couldn't the way. agree more. Like, yep. like just such a delightful drink. Um, it's it's interesting that the mai tai reminds me of this real quick. Did you get a chance to see the new jerseys that the Washington Nationals dropped today for oh, their city love edition? Them. Love them. Phenomenal. Like oh, maybe All maybe my it. new yeah, maybe my new favorite jersey. For those who haven't seen it yet, uh, they're embracing the cherry blossom, which is like just such a great thing and like mm-hmm. it's a beautiful color. Uh, the only thing I would say is I hope they come out with like an all pink one. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, with I'd the with the yeah, for sure. So with but those yeah. flowers on it, yeah. That looks After, so cool. It's yeah. such a unique look. After last year's borderline debacle with the City Connect jerseys, where so many of them were just 10 pounds of you-know-what in a five-pound bag. I mean, it I don't know what you're so... saying, dude. The Boston yeah. one was phenomenal. <laughs> I love my Red Sox and neon yellow. I don't know what the issue is here. Yeah, the UCLA the UCLA Red Sox one was such a real uh, <laughs> treat. I did like the Diamondbacks one, though. I thought I that, one that, really, one. that one was really, really good. But I will say that this one blows all the other ones out of the water, and I'm not sure how a drinking of Mai Tai brought me to that, but I wanted to say how much I enjoyed that jersey. Well, I think just the flowers on it. Got a yeah, there bit, we go. Uh, a little yeah. wahoo feel to it. Yeah. I don't blame yeah. you on that. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Thank Look, you so. if you have not peeped that jersey, go peep it or, I don't know, watch my Twitter at some point in the next three months because I'm going to be wearing <laughs> it. <laughs> Coming up on the show today, 
Chris and I will be talking youths, or as my cousin Vinny would say, youths around the league. <laughs> Which rookies will shine? Who is set for a big bump in their sophomore season? And who you should avoid in 2022? We're covering a bunch of youngsters you should either draft, be on the lookout for, or avoid this season. You want to hear about someone over the age of 25? Well, then get off this pod because it's not going to happen. <laughs> and go listen to all of our positional previews and our live draft show. That will satisfy all of your pre-drafts needs. And speaking of drafts, guys, nothing helps you school your league mates more than our award-winning NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide as you prepare for the upcoming fantasy season. It is available now both in magazine form and digitally, and we're giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use the promo code BASES22. We get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insights and tools at one low price. So go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big and more importantly, win big this season. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's hit those young players now. And to not have this divulge into Chris and I just randomly throwing out prospects for the next 30 to 45 minutes, which we could very easily do and just and just scattershot this thing. We're going to try and be professional. We try. And we're going to go position by position, you know, at least catcher, infield, outfielder, pitchers. All right? So that's how we're going to look this up. And let's start with catcher first. And I think there's one name that everyone needs to know, and it's the one – and maybe not the one, because there are a couple others that we, we can touch upon, but there's one name that is at the top of everyone's list for this, and that is Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman. He is 24 years old and has, I think, number two on just about all top prospect lists, at least at worst, top three. Um, yeah. He looks like a generational talent at catcher, at least something that we can look at and be like, he four years from now is the number one catcher in the game. And that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. He looks like a four tool player. He obviously like a catcher. He's not going to help you much in stolen bases, but other than that, he looks like he is primed for a phenomenal career. He's so far this spring, 231 with six hits in 26 at bats with two RBIs. Uh, he will miss the first few weeks of the season with a tricep strain. So expect him to maybe start the season in triple a, at least until he is up with the correct number of reps to get to the major league level. This is one of the few times we're not going to say service time manipulation, at least not say it quite so loudly uh, like we will for the rest of the show. But sure. talk to me about Rutschman here because uh, when he enters the league, I think he immediately vaults into catcher one in a standard 10 or 12 team league. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, it's just a matter of when and, you know, there's a very good chance that even if he was healthy, he wasn't going to make the roster just because of that service time yeah. manipulation stuff. But uh, I do think that he is a guy that I have to rank as a catcher one as soon as he makes that debut because he is not going to be a guy who comes up and sits a bunch. I mean, if he's coming up, he's going to play. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to bring him up unless you're going to play this guy. 
I guess my one concern with Rutschman is something that has nothing to do with him, but just about the way this position works. A lot of time, rookie catchers struggle. For every Mike Piazza who came up and just lit the world on fire in his rookie season some grumble grumble years ago, there's a lot of young catchers who come up and just really struggle because the position is so demanding. It takes a lot out of you. I think Rushman is more of, I always think this is a weird saying, but the exception that proves the rule, like he's just so talented and has such a high floor, a good chance to hit for average, a very good chance to hit for power. Love him in on base leagues. Now this doesn't always carry over it, it, the approach at the plate is something that you just really need to see how he's doing against major league players. But everything suggests from what I've watched and talking to scouts that he has a very good eye at looking and being able to recognize pitches. That's the most important thing. You have to have the willingness to take pitches, but you also have to have the ability to recognize pitches because if you can't do that, it's very difficult to tell what is a strike, especially against major league pitching. But I think he can definitely help in that category more going long-term going forward, but this year as well. Again, no steals. And you just, for catchers, those are, that's why Dalton Varsho is going to rank so high on list, just because of the fact that he has that catcher of eligibility and has a chance for 15 steals. That's an anomaly. That's absolutely not going to happen with most guys, and that's fine. But yes, I do think Adley Rutschman has a chance to be a catcher one. I think he has a chance to really be like, catcher six catcher seven assuming that we get the, him back in the majors or excuse me starting in the majors by memorial day i think he has a chance to be really really good but i'm going to use my favorite phrase you're going to have to especially for a backstop accept some bitter with the better all right that's the that's your uh cue to drink out there that is when <laughs> the bases drinking game is if you hear better with the uh, here with the berry yeah bop, take a shot <laughs> yeah. um so you know i i think again we're looking at an Orioles team here. I think this is the other factor to it. Look, Cedric Mullins is still on the roster. Only guy to go 30-30 last year. Mm-hmm. Mount Castle and Mancini are both there to, to be bats in the middle of things. Santander is um, can play as well. I, I think one of the things that we have an issue with when we talk about Rushman is just what is the lineup that he's going to come into? Right. Um, there's going to, It's going to be – he's going to have a very little – he's going to have – very thin amounts out here because there's just going to be so few opportunities for him to live up to this potential, at least while this roster around him is not quite filled. And once again, the Orioles in this offseason did, I think they signed Rognetto Dor is, <laughs> is like the only offensive signing they had all offseason. So again, they're not really pushing any type of chip into the center of the table. I think it does hurt Rutschman's value, especially this year when we're just talking 2022, because when does he come up? And what is the roster around him when it does? It would not shock me if the Orioles traded a couple pieces away at the deadline and all of a sudden we're looking at Rutschman as one of the one to two good bats in that lineup come right. August first. So there is some there is some, you know, some asterisks here, or at least sure. some worry. But I do happen to like, and I think this is me as the fantasy mind that I look at this, is that I look at Rutschman starting out the season with a tricep strain. I think is kind of the best thing that could happen because what that just did is I guarantee you his ADP just dropped a whole bunch. And you know what, if you are sitting there and I think a lot of of us do that with catchers, if you don't get one of the top two or three or four, you just sit and wait and you say, you know what, I'm not drafting a catcher till after like round 12. Well, guess what? Rushman wasn't going to be there before round 12. Now he might be with this spot. I think this is enough that makes people go, you know what? I see a little red cross next to his name on the draft board. You know, I'll hold off. And all of a sudden now I might be able to get great value as sure. long as I just ride out the first month with a, a Max Stasi or something like that in my catcher position. Yeah. And, you know, it just kind of comes down to some of that's going to depend like on if you're playing in two catcher leagues, like you're probably not going to get him as a discount in a two catcher league just because – you you have to have one like you have yeah, to but if have you're in that a two catcher league. You, yeah, you don't you're, deserve you, 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 you yeah, don't deserve 100%. Yeah. You don't deserve, deserve a lot you of deserve things. to get catcher. Yeah. Like I don't care. Like you're, yeah. you're you signed up for pain. Yeah, the, the one the big question for Mark for me is like, are you ranking him ahead or drafting him ahead of guys like Ruiz and Stevenson? And the reason yep, I bring them up is that. these are young players who have had already shown some success in the major leagues. Now, I think Adley Rutschman is a much better real-life prospect and fantasy prospect than both. 
But there's something to be said about both of the fact that they are on major league rosters. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are established as the starters there. Stevenson extremely established as a starter there and had a solid rookie season, like really performed pretty darn well. And I love that part where she's had some more people to drive in. Sure. I don't think I can take Rutschman ahead of those guys in redraft leagues, but it's just going to kind of kind of depend on your feel for the guy. Like I love Adley Rutschman, but I've, I've been the high man or the high man. I've been very high on Ruiz for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've been high on Stevenson for a couple of years now. That's a tough one because those guys are going to get the chance to play right away. Are young, are talented, are likely to have close to breakout seasons either this year or next year. I think that's a really, really interesting debate. Me personally, I'm ranking him three of those guys, and that's not an insult to Regiment. It's just no. I really like what Stevenson and Ruiz can do. The catcher position, as much as we hate it, and especially as much as we hate two catcher leagues, it is kind of on an upswing right now. The catching prospect crop, uh, crop and I hate saying crop because it's just not a, a kind word, but there are tons of talented young catchers in baseball right now. It's a very interesting time, but I think I'm still going Ruiz and Stevenson over Rutschman. I'm definitely going Stevenson over the other two. Okay. I think I'd, I think I'd go Rutschman and then Ruiz, mm. mainly because it, I just – what is I don't know exactly what Ruiz is just yet. Like I, I see potential there, but I didn't see enough of it in his first stint. So I think I'm okay putting Rutschman ahead, but Stevenson, I think both of us had inside our top, just outside that top tier of catcher right. was Stevenson. Yeah. Cause I think he has a ton of potential. And again, another guy who I want to say is about 25 years old. So could have been on this list as well. Uh, let's talk about, let's move to the infield now. And let's talk about, I think, the most interesting prospect that's going to come out. This is this year's Wander Franco, and that is Bobby Witt Jr., uh, right. the 21-year-old for the Royals. Look, he's having an okay spring. He's only hitting 476 with two homers and six RBIs and eight runs scored in just 21 at-bats and a stolen base. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, he looks real ready for the open day roster, so I really look forward to seeing what the Royals say as the reason why he can't be on it. But <laughs> Bobby Witt right now looks – if he gets a call up in a month, and I feel like the Royals and Bobby Witt is a slightly different scenario than Tampa and Wander. Tampa can hold off a little bit longer. They had such good players on their roster. They were sure. still able to win without him and kind of really give him all the polish seasoning and whatever that they wanted to call it to keep him down there. Witt is ready to go now, and the Royals don't have a lot of reason not to bring him up pretty soon because they're not going to be a particularly great team this year. So I see Witt getting up before Memorial Day. And because of that, unlike last year where I just wasn't quite sure where to draft Wander, this one I feel very good. Like Bobby Witt needs to be off the board in the first seven rounds in a draft just because of the five-tool, the five-category player that he could be. He can revolutionize your team and really piss off some of the guys in your league who thought he might hang around a little longer in your draft. Yeah, so I will say this. If I was guessing whether or not Bobby Wood Jr. was going to make the roster right now, I actually would say yes. I do think I Bobby Wood so. Jr. is going to. So here's the thing. That might be some blind optimism, but there are two guys that we'll talk about today that I actually do believe are going to make major league rosters other than some other non-prospects. I just think he's ready, and I also think that Dayton Moore has kind of turned the corner on this a little bit and mm-hmm. understands that service time manipulation is a real bad look and that Kansas city is an organization that can't afford to upset players like this. Like they need Bobby Witt jr. To be happy because he has a chance to be the cornerstone of the franchise and you want to keep the cornerstone of your franchise happy. So I do think right now I would be drafting Bobby Witt jr. With the assumption that he is going to make the major league roster. And so that is to me is why you take him somewhere in the first 80 to 90 picks. I, I know that in our, in our draft, he ended up going like 103 to me or something along those lines. But that's a steal to me because part of it is because he is going to give you steals. Yep. I will caution that he is not the greatest base runner in the entire world. He's 38 for 50 in his uh, attempts. Mm-hmm. That's a 76%. I'm very good at math. Uh, stolen base. It's not elite by any means. It's certainly not bad. It's not going to cost you the category. But be prepared to take some caught steals with the stolen bases as well. But this guy, the ball jumps off of his bat, like just jumps. And there's 
at least plus power in his right-handed bat, maybe a chance for more. So like if you're talking about like the worst case scenario for Bobby Witt, I think you're talking about a guy who hits like 220, 230 and hits 15 to 18 homers, drives in 55 to 60 runs, steals 15 to 20 bases. If I'm getting that with pick 80, I'm okay with it because there is the chance that he is a guy who hits 290, hits 25 homers. The the RBI are just something that he's just not going to be able to control and steals 25 to 30 bases. So I will take the upside of that and be willing to deal with the floor that I just talked about because I think Kansas City is going to make sure that this guy is going to be playing every day because – Kansas City, as improved as they are and as on the upswing as I think they are, they're still not a playoff contender. They, they're they going to let Bobby Wood Jr. take his lumps. And I think that's actually a good thing for fantasy managers Agreed. because it gives them the chance for that. Unfortunately, most leagues are about counting stats. And I still think the counting stats for Bobby Wood Jr. are going to be there enough to justify taking him in those middle rounds. Again, prospects fail all of the time. But even with Bobby Witt Jr.'s failures, I still think you're going to have enough success to call him fantasy relevant. Yeah, I think I, I think if I remember back to our shortstop rankings, I want to say you had Bobby Witt just as a, as a tail end shortstop, shortstop one, 12. one. You yeah. had him around 12. I had him around 14, 15. And I think now with kind of the idea that I wasn't sure when he was going to get called up. Sure. It now feels more and more like it's going to be sooner rather than later. I feel more comfortable putting him just outside the top 12, but that's yeah. the kind of player we're talking about. We're talking about it. That's a deep shortstop position. Right. I mean, I think we had Lindor at like 10 and nine. I mean, like we're talking just three stops back is Bobby Witt. So this is, I think, I think an incredibly young and talented player. If you play even in a, a, a keeper league where you get even a couple keepers like this is the guy that you go and spend just go go reach just reach on this guy because yeah. that's the one who you might have a real opportunity to keep next year and just get crazy value for um if you're in my league i'm not going to draft him but if, yeah. uh if uh just between you and i i'm gonna yeah. reach on him in, in a couple <laughs> leagues uh let's talk about spencer torkelson uh, the 22-year-old for the Tigers, having a very nice spring as well, 286 with six hits and 21 at-bats with a ribby and a stolen base. Um, him and his teammate, who we'll get to in a second, Riley Green, both look really good this spring, both top 10 prospects. I know both of them are going to be on your top 10 rankings that come out next week. Right. Um, talk to me a little about, about Torkelson, and more importantly, talk to me about what we about what can we expect from him in 2022. So everything the Tigers have said seems to point to both of these guys making the roster right now. And that is great. Yep. Saying something and being about something are often different things. <laughs> and I am a little hesitant to like write him up on the, uh, being on the roster. And that's my really the reason why I think Torkelson is kind of a tough draft. It's difficult to decide where you should draft Spencer Torkelson because look, This is a corner infielder who certainly has the offensive upside to compete with anybody. Like this is Andrew Vaughn times two and Andrew Vaughn, you know, wasn't exactly great in his rookie season, but showed more than a few flashes of brilliance that suggest that the long-term future is going to be great here. It's a tough one for me because he's going to have to, it's actually a little easier this year because he's qualified to play third base in most, most leagues that I have seen. And that certainly helps because Third base, corner infield, okay, it's a little easier to justify keeping him on your roster. If it was just first base and that corner infield position, I'd probably ignore him. He's still going to rank high on my list because I think he is good enough offensively to help. But it wouldn't shock me if you're talking about a guy who's like 250, 260, 20 homer rate, 70, 80 RBI rate, and no help in the stolen base category. You can find that from a lot of places. Now, long-term, I think the upside is massive, and it wouldn't shock me if he uh, outdid what I just said by a considerable margin. But I think there's a lot more risk with him than the outfielder that we're going to talk about with Detroit. So, look, if I'm playing in a real deep league and I can stash him on my bench of five to seven players, okay, considering it. 
but I think you need guys not to fall in order to select Torkelson in the redraft leagues. And hopefully anything I just said made sense. Sifted through it. I caught the point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I agree with you though. I think the problem with Torkelson is just that he in year one, and again, we're only talking about year one here in year one. Right. I don't know if he has enough offensive potential to crack the top 12 first baseman. There's just so no. many good first basemen. I mean, you could go to 15, 17 on the first base side and still find those number of home runs and that number of RBIs. And, you know, maybe Torkelson doesn't have the batting average. You can find that batting average late. Like all of those things are available later in the draft. And I don't need, if someone wants to go up there and just draft high because, hey, his name's Spencer Torkelson. And I, I, I see him on all the top 10 rankings and all the rest. Yeah. I encourage you to do that. Enjoy that. Right. But I think um, I just don't know if he has enough offensive potential in year one at first base for me to lock him in there. You make a great point about him being third base eligible. Look, if I'm sitting late in the draft and I don't have a good third baseman and I'm looking for pure upside, sure, I have no problem taking a flyer on Torkelson there if he's a, if he's eligible in your league at third base. Yeah. But if you're looking for him to be your first baseman, I think. I think this is a spot where like we need to like pump the brakes on on prospects a little bit. Sometimes you get a little over yeah. over eager, a little over aggressive. Sure. And like, you know what? Let him come to you a little bit yeah. later because um I mean look, Comerica's a good hitters park. I think there's plenty to like about this. Look, I really happen to like this, and we'll get to Riley Green in a second, but if both these guys break camp and we're we're starting to talk about it like a a Detroit lineup that looks pretty decent. Like, yeah. I mean, especially by mid-year, you know, by mid-season and so on, when hopefully these rookies get a couple of their early lumps out of the way, there's some real nice stuff to like, to like here, including obviously Javi Baez joining that crew. So, yeah, um, peep Spencer Torkelson for later in the draft. But if he's your first baseman, pump the brakes a little bit on that. Yeah, and here's what I'll just say to, cl- to close this out. The, the two prospects we've talked about before – Adley Rutschman does not have to max out his value in order to be fantasy relevant because he's a catcher. Yep. Bobby Wood Jr. doesn't have to max out his value because he's going to give you stolen bases along with some homers at a premium position. Spencer Torkelson basically has to max out in order to give you that value. And I am not saying it's not possible. On the contrary, this is one of the best hitting Mm -hmm. prospects I have seen from the right side. Like there is a chance for 70 hit and 70 power it's just counting on it in 2022 when you're not going to get any stolen bases from the guy. And that matters so much in fantasy baseball. It's just a real risky proposition to make him be anything more than a wait and see hold in my mm-hmm. fantasy league. I can't count on him as a starter, even if he makes the major league roster. God, I despise stolen bases. Playing points league people. <laughs> get, get away. I, I, I campaign consistently on the points league just so that way sure. I don't have – Stolen bases being, uh, <laughs> just sticking in my neck the entire time. All right, let's talk about O'Neill Cruz here. The yeah. 23-year-old from the Pirates, he was optioned to AAA Indianapolis today despite <sighs> a very strong spring. 333 with a 1.067 OPS, two home runs across 15 plate appearances. Um, he looks completely ready with the bat. The only question, and, I, and this is – while we will scream service time manipulation for a lot of players, and he could be one of them, I will say there is a little bit of a of a rub here in the sense that he's a shortstop, but it looks like he's they're trying to flip him into a left fielder at this moment. So can he? Sure, could he use theoretically a little bit more time to le- to learn the position that he was basically told he's going to play like three weeks ago? Sure, I can give a little bit of a doubt here, but. Otherwise, bat-wise, dude is ready to go and looks like he could be a real fantasy contributor this year. I'm so sorry, Pirates fans. Like, you've <laughs> been through so much since 1993, man. And, you know, you did have a nice little run there with, uh, I think people forget how good they looked in with McCutcheon and Garrett Cole there McCutch, for a second. Yeah. But, man, I feel bad for him because this is just a garbage organization that just really doesn't give a crap about its players. Like, yes, I will. If you want to say the work on the defense thing, fine. And long-term, I think he is a going to be a left fielder. You're Pittsburgh. You're going to win 50 games yeah. this let year. Let him run. Like, let, let him burn up there. Who cares? Let him show, find out if your power forward of a shortstop is actually a shortstop. Yeah. Long-term, I don't blame you for saying that you're six foot seven. 220 pound dude is not going to stick at shortstop. 
There is no harm in giving this a look right now. And they know that. And I wouldn't doubt if he ends up just going right back to shortstop in about two weeks. This is a blatant case to me of service time manipulation with all due respect to Ben Sherrington. Like Pittsburgh has like, I will say this, Pittsburgh is building something real nice here. It's just going to take a few years until it's ready. And by the time it's ready, who knows what's going to happen. Well, by that point, they'll end up having to trade away the top end. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. Yeah, exactly. That's (laughs) the thing, man. I just, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh fans. It's yeah. just not. Um, you've got a pretty cool color scheme with you and the Penguins. But Look, it's more just importantly, more... put O'Neill Cruz on the lineup so that way PNC, arguably one of the best ballparks in the country, gets oh, filled it's up so again. Good. It's a yeah, great the... ballpark. I think it's it, the best. It's filled like a, a, no argument here. Honestly, it's yeah. easily in my top five. And yeah. like it's a third filled all the time because they yeah. just have no product on the field. So just put it's... O'Neill Cruz out there and let's just see what happens. Who yeah, cares? I don't exactly. You could send them down in three weeks. But exactly. No, that's that's a hundred percent. It is there would yeah. be absolutely no harm. Oh well, O'Neill Cruz is is struggling. We sent him down to AAA. You have the proof in the pudding to tell your fans that look, he exactly. needs to work on some stuff. Right. Boom. As for his chances of fantasy relevance, still think there's a very very good chance that this mm-hmm. is going to be one of the better fantasy prospects uh, or fantasy prospects who succeed in 2022. The ball, I mean, the some of the homers he has hit, like yeah. in the highlights, it just <laughs> screams off the ball. By the way, O'Neill Cruz was traded for Tony Watson. Can you imagine O'Neill Cruz in that Dodger system right now and how much everybody would just be hating that organization they even more? Do. Yeah, they I mean, look, that's, that, they already do, but it's it's not – you know what? It would be another fun – Jordan Alvarez and O'Neill Cruz are two guys that were originally Dodgers prospects just to, to okay. throw that out there for that. But – I hope I, in my – I hope yeah. at some point in my life I'm as good at anything like the Dodgers are at scouting oh, and signing players. I hope I'm as good it, at anything as the Dodgers yeah. are with that stuff. I, and I, I, am, I can assure you that <laughs> I'm not, but I would love to be. But look, O'Neill Cruz has a chance to help in pretty much every category, I think. I think he's going to be a guy – because the ball just explodes off of that bat, I think the average, maybe some swing and miss here, just because he's a six foot seven dude. Yeah. But he has such unreal hand eye coordination; it's not going to be uh, as bad as some I think anticipate. Power is a, was kind of a question mark a little bit, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Like he's really filled out that frame. It's a f- above average runner. I think ten to fifteen steals are within reason. I'm not going to get a chance to drive in a ton of guys, especially if. Brian Reynolds is traded as I expect by the like the end of June. And even with Brian Reynolds, that lineup is still right. really, really bad. I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. It's just not fun right now. Um, but I still think even with O'Neill Cruz spending two or three weeks in the minors, and that's what I would imagine it'll be, I still think there's a really good chance for him to be fantasy relevant. I am selecting him there. No matter what my format is, unless it's American league only, that would be just a protest pick, I guess. But if if you can have O'Neill Cruz on your roster, I'm selecting him, especially with the shortstop eligibility, whether or not that's his long-term position doesn't matter because in 2022, he's going to be eligible at shortstop. He's going to help you there. Yeah. This is, this guy screams like 22nd round. Go grab him. Just like, just see what happens. You know, once you're drafting outside the, the top 20 rounds, because he'll be available there more than likely, unless your draft oh, yeah. is really cutthroat. When you're drafting outside the top 20, you're just drafting for upside. Yeah. So you know what? Take the first two, three weeks of the season and just let him sit there and crunch it. Like if he comes up and does what he can, he mm-hmm. could be a phenomenal find late in a draft. I mean, really, he has like Aaron Judge level power and hand eye with the ability to stay on the bases and still be able to get you 10 to 15. Like if that's, yeah. if he's 80% Judge, that's yeah. huge in the 20th round or later. It's massive. Uh, let's talk about a, a name that I think a lot of people don't know because he was not a, or at least he's not as heralded as other prospects as sure. we've discussed on this list. And that's Bryson Stott for the Philadelphia Phillies. Manager Joe Girardi is gushing over the youngster and he has a reason too. He's hitting 533 with a homer, three RBIs and three runs scored, eight hits and 15 at bats, a 1.450 OPS this spring. I know it's obviously only 15 at bats and a crazy small sample size, but right. um, he went from a guy who was almost assuredly going to start the season in AAA as the Phillies' top prospect, and now could very easily break camp as the starting third baseman thanks to Alec Bohm's just inability to hit a fastball. So I, Bryson Stott 
a, a name that I don't think a lot of people had on their radar suddenly fantasy or suddenly I say fantasy relevant. Is he someone that you should be looking at in a standard 12 team? Yeah, I think looking at anyway, and maybe okay. selecting at the end of drafts. Um, so as, as far as I can tell, he's not going to be eligible at third base to begin the year. Yeah, it looks like but he's, he's certainly. Have yeah. So he'll, he'll he'll and assuming he does get that job, he will, he will have that position eligibility for you. Um, and that's kind of the key for me because it's something I wanted to bring up with Torkelson as well. Is third base is just not a good fantasy position right now. Mm-hmm. We gushed about it last year because of guys like Bohm and Brian Hayes that we thought they were on, on their way up. And also Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had the eligibility there as well. You know, that's no longer Vladdy can play the hot corner. And you have Bohm and Hayes who are question marks and Bohm a, a much bigger question mark going forward. I think he's a better real life player than he is a fantasy player. But I do think he can help you in a few categories here. Like he has excellent hand-eye coordination, a swing that suggests to me that he can hit 300 in his best years. Starting to start, tap into more power, hit 16 homers last year. A guy I really like in on-base leagues because he, again, like with Rutschman, we'll have to see how that carries over. But a very good approach at the plate with uh, some swing and miss, but not a ton. Like you're looking at 115, 120 strikeouts. You can certainly live with that uh, going forward, which is a weird thing to say because he used to be such a, a monstrous number. Right. But stolen bases, a guy who ran a lot in college, hasn't really run a lot thus far. Stole 10 bases last year in 14. I think that's 10 stolen bases would be asking a lot. I think Bryson Stott is really going to help the Phillies, who are a team I just kind of am in love with right now after the Schwarber and Castellano signings. Just a really, really fun group. I would guess that fantasy relevance is coming in the next couple of years. You can draft him. Just uh, The shortstop eligibility isn't a bad thing Mm -hmm. either, so he'll likely be eligible at two positions. But I wouldn't expect him to be a like a huge offensive threat in terms of fantasy to begin the year. NL only definitely looking big, deep roster, definitely looking. But like in your standard 240 pick type draft, I'm not 100 percent sure I would take Bryson Stott. Yeah, I'd wait and see on him as well. Look, if for some reason he just he, he enamors himself to Girardi so much that they decide to move him towards the top of the lineup, then yeah. that changes the conversation quite a bit because point. those those that meaty outfield that they got out there is going to drive in a ton of runs. That's so a great point. I would I, I'd love him if he was up there. But if he's sticking in the eight nine hole, you know, somewhere around that spot, I, I think it's enough. I don't think there's gonna be enough desire around your league that you need to go fight for him. I think he's going to be available after your draft. I think you can wait a week, see how it plays out and then go grab accordingly. I don't think you need to reach on him. Um, Again, he hasn't even earned the the job yet, so we can't exactly rush it up there. But if he were to win the job and if for any reason at any point he jumps up to the top of the lineup, then then you go grab him to your roster because I think the upside there has plenty, especially with the run scored. And real quick, Alec Bohm is still not someone I'm giving up on like long term. I I saw there's way that, too yeah. much and with Wichita State how how impressive that bat was and what I saw from him in that 2020 shortened season, not letting a spring training and one bad year completely dissuade from me. Stuck down for sure. Yep. But if he falls like into that the bottom of your draft in like a 25 round thing, pick him up, man, because I still think there's big offensive potential. And if the Phillies get their you-know-what together, here's the thing. He should have been the DH, but that position ain't available anymore. The Phillies have about 14 designated hitters on that roster. The Mariners no longer lead the league in designated hitters. Um, But, yeah, that's that. it it is hurt that um, he's going to basically have to play third base in order to have value. But I still think there's enough offensive upside to justify taking Bohm at the end of drafts. I'm probably avoiding Bohm. I, I think I've seen it's, enough. That it's understandable. Until he, that until he starts showing something, I like I'm not. I'm going to be late on him, not early on him. I think at this point, it's sure. just that's where it's come. Let's talk about Jazz Chisholm quickly here. I mean, again, a name that people know, but on a list of, I think when we're looking at second baseman, I don't think he's getting enough love in the way that he should. I think when we look at Again, last year hit 248 with 18 home runs, 52 RBIs, and 23 stolen bases. Right. Um, his spring so far, 316 with a homer, five RBIs, six runs, and a stolen base. We 
I think Jazz Chisholm, and again, it's not a like for like because I don't think there was a lot of people who knew who Cedric Mullins was at the beginning of last year. But yeah. Chisholm has the, I think, has the potential to be this year's Mullins in the sense that I think he's got a phenomenal power speed combo. I think he's one of the most exciting players in baseball. I absolutely love watching him play. This Miami team, look, we've had issues with their offense, but. They sign Avasil Garcia. They bring in Jorge Soler. Like that, there's at least a little bit of meat on that lineup that's surrounding him now. Um, Chisholm, I think you could easily see 25-25 from him next year. Maybe 25-20-25, I think, makes a little bit more yeah. sense. I'm not sure if he goes 25 home runs. If he does, then you get unbelievable value for where you're drafting him. But right. the 25 stolen bases and 20 home runs, there's not going to be a ton of guys that are going to be able to do that. And uh, where he's getting drafted right now, I think, is great value for what you're at. And he's only 24 years old. So just tons yeah. of potential still untapped. Well, first I do have to ask you, have I been pronouncing this dude's name wrong the whole time? Is No, it's Jazz Chisholm. It, yeah. I went to co- I went to high school with someone named Chisholm and that, it, it sticks in my head every <laughs> no, single time. That's okay. There's a couple uh, names. There's a couple yeah. names that I continually mispronounce because I know someone yeah, with that no, last name. That's okay. I was just like, did he take Jared Kellenek and take the EN we aren't supposed <laughs> yeah. to be saying? No, nope, no. Nope. No. It's, uh, it, I, you know what? It's going to be okay, Colin. We're going to get through this together. Uh, uh, yeah. Jazz Chisholm is fascinating to me because I think he's one of the most volatile fantasy players, like just in the sport, regardless yep. of position. Because, like, there is a chance for, and I, I long term, like, a dynasty hold among dynasty holds mm-hmm, because yeah. of his chance for power and stolen bases. I just wonder about the batting average because there is so much length to his swing. And he is a guy who, you know, he swings for the fences, man. This is not a guy who is looking to put the ball in play and use his speed to work. That's great. And, and, you know, a launch angle and uh, probably better real life uh, facilities because of that and realizing that uh, what you could do putting the ball over the fence is a lot better than putting the ball on the ground. But it hurts in fantasy because there is going to be – he's not only a guy who can hit 220. He's the type of guy who for a couple of weeks can literally lose you the average category. Sure. Because there are going to be stretches where it's just the way it works when you when you swing like this where you go like four for 40 and you lose that category. It's just the way – that that is going to work out. There's no avoiding it, but there are also going to be weeks where he hits 360 with five home runs and seven stolen bases. And he wins you that league. He is fascinating to me. I, I like him better to me at the second base position for fantasy, but if he's your starting shortstop, man, I get it because there is a chance he's going to help you win that homer in in stolen base category. There really is. It would not shock me one bit if Jazz Chisholm was a 30-30 player this year. Yeah. It is absolutely possible for him. And if you're talking about guys who have a chance for a 40-40 season someday, Bobby Wood Jr. and Jazz Chisholm are the only two names that really come to mind right now. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., of well, course. Outside of, the, but, outside of Tatis yeah. and Acuna. Yeah, and Acuna, I guess, has a chance to. I, I do wonder if Acuna's going to be able to run as much as he did. Uh, yeah. After this or at least injury. they're going to let him run as much. Oh, as I him. hope, I hope everything works out. Okay. <laughs> but of the, of the young player, the, yes. it's funny to talk about like Fernando Tatis Jr. And Ronald Acuna, like they're veterans. They come immediately to mind to me as those guys who do have that chance to be 40, 40 players. But unlike Bobby Wood Jr., who I think has a really good chance to help me in the average category, I have no, no positive things to say about him being able to hit Barring some extreme Babip luck, hitting above 250, 260, and you got to be prepared to take a lot, lot worse with it. Well, I will say, I and only 24, only had limited time in the majors. Even a even a little, a, a little better approach at the plate, I think, can go quite a long ways. Just because I think his hand eye and his talent is so undeniable that even just a little bit of figuring out exactly just when to swing and not when to go out of your shoes would go a long way. But again, you're completely right though. The guy's never going to be a 300 hitter. He's not going to be a 280 hitter more than likely. He's going to live in that at best, like 250 to 270 range. And something that doesn't hurt you, something that doesn't help you a ton. He's just going to need to help you out in power and speed to really complete his profile. 
Yeah. Let's talk about let's let's flip over to the outfield quick and let's and let's do these guys a little quicker here. Let's talk about Joe sure. Adele. And I don't want to harp on him too much because I recommend listening to DJ and Ryan's podcast from Monday. They talk they spent a good time talking about Joe Adele, but it would behoove us to talk about him because we've pounded that Joe Adele drum here on the pod sure. with you and I for quite yeah. a while now. Uh hitting 280 with three homers, seven RBIs, five runs, and three stolen bases in in his in spring, just starting to finally show that five tool, uh, that five category player that we've all kind of been waiting and expecting for. And he's 22 years old. Like yep. we are, people wrote him off when he struggled as a 20 year old in the short in 2020 season. That's foolish. And I hope that people continue to do that because he's going to be on a whole bunch of my teams. If so, but Joe yeah. Adele, I think has the potential. Again, we're talking about late round picks guys who are available. I think his ADP is around two thirty right now the potential here is astounding. And if you're drafting outside the top 20 and honestly that ADP might creep up after such a good spring, you might have to spend a late teens pick on him, but I still think the potential there is completely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. All all I'll say is it's just a matter of when I think it's coming in 2022. If not, it's coming in 2023. If not, it's coming in 2024. <laughs> yeah, we will ride him like Buxton on this podcast it's because I believe I believe yeah. just I believe the exact same type of player. Yeah. That is what yeah. we can be expecting. Let's sure. talk about your Mariners outfielders. We got the 21 year old Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick at 22. Um, Julio Rodriguez having a phenomenal spring, slashing uh, 316, 381, 579 with a homer, five RBIs, and two stolen bases. Kelnick, unfortunately, struggling again this spring after a really poor debut in the majors last year, only hitting 158 with an RBI and a stolen base. Um, so talk to me about both of these guys, obviously, you being the Mariners. Sure. Kelnick on the roster, I assume, to start the year. Does Julio Rodriguez crack it? It looks like he's going to. Again, Jerry Depoto saying all the right things about how he's looked. I do think there's also something to be said about the PR disaster that happened last year when Kelnick yes, didn't make the roster, right particularly after they it came out, people seem to forget that the president of the team literally admitted they offered him a contract extension and he said no. That's the only reason that he wasn't mm-hmm. on that roster. And also, he did have an ankle injury that was um, convenient, let's just say. Yeah, I, it's a Rushman yeah, triceps. Yeah. like it's it's very convenient. Yeah, I, I I know it's disappointing that he only has like two hits in his 17 plate appearances. I wouldn't worry about that at all. He's still somebody I'm taking in the mid rounds uh, for Kelnick. But Julio Rodriguez is someone that you, you basically have to draft now because he has superstar potential and he's starting to show it. Spring training stats can get kind of overrated because yes. you have to look at 100%. who they're facing and stuff. But you just watch Julio Rodriguez play and you see star potential. My one thing is, is that they've been playing him in center field a little bit and they've been talking about him maybe being the center fielder of the future. That seems like a pretty um, easy work on his defense type of send down thing. So you do have to be, it's not the lock of locks that he's going to make the roster, but it's going to be a very short amount of time that he spends in the minors if he doesn't make the team. And I think he's a guy who can help you in at least four categories if he does. One of the very few prospects that's a must draft to me. Who has a better season in 2022, Rodriguez or Kelnick? I'll still say Kelnick. I just think that he is the more complete player. And I was so impressed with what he did in September, like the adjustments that he made. And, you know, it's frustrating that we're not seeing the results of it. Again, though, it's spring training. I just cannot get to the eye test matters more for me with this type of stuff. And nothing that Jared Kelnick has done in some video that I've watched in my limited time suggests that he's not going to be a good player. Julio Rodriguez more upside, but I think Kalnick, which is weird to say considering his struggles last year, does have the higher floor. Okay, let's talk about Dylan Carlson a second, the 23-year-old from the Cardinals. Uh, he's had a very nice spring so far, hitting 313 with a homer and four RBIs. Mm-hmm. Um, was third in Rookie of the Year voting last year with a 266 average, 18 home runs, 65 RBIs, and two stolen bases and 79 runs scored. Also had 31 doubles last year, which was a great mark for the rookie, especially if you consider even if a couple more of those doubles go over the fence, we're talking about an an even better caliber player in year two. Talk to me about Carlson a little bit. I mean, again, only 23. It has been a top prospect for years. Started to show, especially towards the end of last year, started to show a really elite bat. Uh, How are you you valuing him going into drafts this year? I think he's being really underdrafted to begin the year. I think that 
we're looking at what he did last year, we should be more positive about what he did. Now, look, I get one of the concerns is, is that he had a 923 OPS against left-handed pitching compared to 739 versus right-handed pitching. You're going to face more right-handed pitching. So I, I get that concern a little bit. But I really think that there is big-time potential in Carlson to be a breakout player this year. Made good adjustments. I would also expect him to run more. He only stole two bases last year. I would guess he's a double-digit steal guy next year. Um, he's, he showed the ability to run in the minors. He's an above-average athlete. I really like Dylan Carlson. Maybe doesn't have the ceiling of some of the other names that we talked about, but just as good a floor, and I expect him to be able to still continue to match lefties and be much better against right-handed pitching next year. Currently going 150 in Yahoo drafts. That's too low. I, I think that's too low. I completely agree with you. I, I'd be more than happy grabbing him just outside the top 10 rounds. Like I think sure. this is a player who can help you in multiple categories. And like we said, his his sprint speed and the number of stolen base attempts, those two things don't match. Like no. he has speed and they're just not using him there. New manager there, maybe a new offensive mindset. I would sure. love to see him. Look, if he gets 10 stolen bases – then you've already gotten great value for him at 150, and I think you should be drafting him higher. Well said. Uh, let's talk about Riley Green. We we touched on him a second before, the Tigers outfielder. In the minors last year, he had 301 with 24 home runs and 84 RBIs, along with 16 stolen bases across 485 at-bats. Has looked very good this spring, is checking off everything from the eye test. Like you alluded to before, both him and Torkelson both expected to break camp. Um, or at least we hope that they will both break camp with the Tigers. If not, it should be a week or two afterwards that we're seeing right. them. Talk to me about Riley Green, and more importantly, talk to me about him in the larger outfield context. So one of the things I actually really like about Riley Green's situation more than Spencer Tokelson is not just because of the outfield versus the first base or corner infield thing, is that there seems to be a bigger, much more opening for that outfield than yep. it necessarily. There are some guys who are solid players and or highly paid players for Detroit that are going to want to be in that first base or designated hitter spot. Mm -hmm. So that is another thing to keep in mind. I just think Riley green has a super high floor, a a plus tools pretty much everywhere. One thing that I think is underrated is that I don't think you're going to see a ton of stolen bases from him, but he's not going to get caught. He was 21 of 22 in, in his two years in the minor leagues. That's really impressive just because like, there are times with double steals or there are times where you just, you know, you slip and you don't get a great jump. 21 for 22 is really impressive. Excellent approach at the plate. Smooth swing, line, line drives. Not an elite power guy, but I think he's going to be able to hit more than enough homers, provide just enough stolen bases. I think he's being extremely undervalued so far. I think the only outfielder of, of the prospects that I'm taking him above Uh, that I'm taking above him is Julio Rodriguez, but that's more of a compliment to Rodriguez than an insult to Green. Going undrafted right now in Yahoo League, so I can see an ADP of So Yeah, that's that's nuttier than you know what to me. Yeah, I'm just saying, again, if we're talking about who you're drafting with the 22nd, 23rd, 24th round picks, like – Because you're going to have to drop most of those guys, man. Yeah, Yeah, you're going to drop the majority of those guys – I'd much rather have Riley Green and drop him than the alternative because you're never getting him back. Someone is going to spend $500 of their thousand fab and you're never going to see Riley Green until 2023. So, yeah, I I think that's nuts. I think he's somebody who has to be drafted. Uh, Let's flip over to the mound now. Let's talk some pitchers. And it would be wrong of us not to start with the – soon-to-be three-headed young pitcher duo from the Miami Marlins. Boy, Miami has some phenomenal pitching. And that's not including Alcantara, who is 26. He's aged out of this group already, the ancient man that he is. We're going to talk about Trevor Rogers, Max Meyer, and Edward Cabrera. Look, I think that uh, Rogers 24, uh, Mayer, 23, Cabrera, 23. Uh, Let's see, Rogers, three scoreless innings so far this spring. Max, four scoreless innings so far this spring without a hit or walk and has struck out five. Cabrera, three scoreless innings so far with three strikeouts, zero hits allowed in a walk. I mean, these guys are basically throwing no hitters every single time they go out there. And obviously, we're not expecting that in, in the in the majors in real time. But we're talking about three young arms that look ready to go right now, along with Alcantara. We could be talking about one of the more dominant 
rotations in baseball in a year or two based on how good these guys look. Talk to me about all three of them and their outlook for the season. And by the way, Hazelus Lizardo has looked outstanding. He looked phenomenal. In and we, we, so, we have loved Lizardo on yeah, this pod. And, he has and, not lived up to it. And we actually love what he's doing right yeah, now. Yeah. And he's at the ripe old age of 24 years old, just so yeah. everybody knows, too. I almost yeah, put the, him on this list, too. And I was like, we yeah, can't spend 10 minutes, yeah. 15 minutes talking Miami pitching. The only one of these guys that I think you can draft to begin the year is Rodgers. And I think he's worth uh, a mid round selection somewhere like in that top 100, maybe a little bit higher. And if you're not valuing him, if you're valuing him at that rate, as I am, there's a very good chance you're not going to get him. I'm just a little concerned about the up and down that I saw from him last year. The the stuff is very good. Also concerned about, I'm still not sure. Miami's lineup is really fun. Not really sure how good it how is. Good and it they, is. It's and got the NL East, but it's not going to yeah, yeah. yeah. And the NL East is going to be a very tough division, I think, this mm-hmm. year. So, so that's just stuff to keep in mind. When these guys like Meyer and Cabrera get called up because they are far from locks to make the rotation right now, yeah, I'm looking at them as streaming options for sure, particularly Meyer. I'm really, really high on Meyer. I was shocked to see him not make a few top 100 lists of guys that I absolutely respect and they know more what they they know more about what they're talking about than I do. But I just see filthy, filthy stuff, and they're. There's a lot in my – Yuri Perez is a guy I haven't talked about at all who has a chance to make mm-hmm. his debut maybe at this point next year. One of the most improved pitching prospects in all of baseball and six foot eight too, which is also a lot of fun. Um, yeah. The only one I'm drafting of those guys is, is Meyer. Cabrera and – or excuse me. The only one of those guys I'm drafting is um, Rodgers. The, the, the others, I think Miami's going to be in load management mode for a lot of the season. I think these are more streamers, absolute must-haves in Dynasty. But I can't get behind them as draft picks in a standard league because I just don't know what I'm going to get out of them and also how much I'm going to get out of them. Could not agree more. I think we're talking about a Miami team that when Derek Jeter left in this offseason, it clearly was he felt this team was ready to produce now and the Marlins said otherwise. So. Uh, so I, I look at that as a, okay, they are not in any rush to get these guys up there and to burn them. So yeah. I'd expect them to get 100 to 150 innings this year between the AAA and Major League level, get them sure. stretched out for next year. I agree with you. I love them for spot starters. But in terms of draft and hold on to full season, Rodgers is the only one who I know will have a rotation spot and the right. only one who I know should should be able to get back to the value that I drafted on draft day. Whereas Meyer and Cabrera, both of them are reaches for now. I think you can hold off for a little bit longer, at least let's talk about Mackenzie Gore for the Padres and boy, what a, for a guy who has not yet made the majors, um, what a fascinating career he's already had. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Let's see. He was a consensus top six or seven pick entering the 2020 season. And since then it's been weird. Uh, he's just lost complete control last year, end up being removed from the minor league team, just the work on his command alone. That's how weird this was. But yet the Padres basically did not put him in any trade talks, would not talk about him, at least according to sources. Right. Uh, and it's looking like maybe he's starting to turn the corner. Uh, he pitched four innings against the giants on Tuesday, allowing his first walk and run so far this spring, nine innings pitched four hits, two earned, a walk, and 11 strikeouts. That's great. That's what we're looking for from Mackenzie Gore. Now, obviously, it's spring. Obviously, it's a small sample size. But the talent is there. We've all known that talent is there. It's just that he was tinkering and was not able to be consistent. Um, But now I really look at, look, I love the 11 strikeouts, but we always know he was a strikeout pitcher, is the walk. He's only had one walk in nine innings. That's what I'm looking at more than anything because control was his biggest issue. If he can keep that down, um, we have already seen the Padres say they're not against using a six-man rotation, and I right. and I heavily look at Mackenzie Gore as the reason why they haven't closed that door. Yeah, I think that that definitely makes sense. Look, this was a guy who in 2019 had a 1.02 ERA yeah. in high as high desert, or excuse me, in the California League for Lake Elsinore. Like doing that in one of the most pitcher-friendly environments in the world is speaks to how good this guy was. And look. Before 2021, command was not a problem for him. And right. really what happened was it's 2020 happened. 
And he, I don't want to use the word yips, but it was something along those lines where he just really struggled to repeat his delivery and find the strike zone. It happens. I think another thing people forget about, Mackenzie Gore is 23 years old, literally just turned 23 in February, uh, Feb- on February 24th. So the right side of that age mm-hmm. thing. He was the third overall pick, and everything that I have seen and everybody I've talked to has raved about how he's looked. I can't draft him yet, but as soon as he gets that chance to start, unless it's somewhere like Colorado or facing one of those, like if for some reason he had to face like the Blue Jays in his first first start, like I'm all over this because he was one of the best pitching prospects that I have seen. And not only in just pure stuff, but the ability to command it made the delivery changes. I again, I can't draft him even if he ends up making that six man rotation to begin the year. And I still imagine that they'll want him to get some AAA stuff Agreed. because they yep. want to make sure he is comfortable and confident. But he's someone you got to pay more attention to. In NL only leagues, I am considering a draft pick on McKenzie Gore. Honestly, I think as soon as I see his name on my NBC Sports Edge app come through <laughs> and say that. Go. He is getting called. I don't care if it's the Blue Jays. I don't care if it's the Dodgers. I, he's on my roster because you know what? If he has a great first start, you're never seeing him again. That's he's a gone. Great like point. he's gone. He's gone. You'll yep, never see Mackenzie Gore again. He will be on someone's roster until they until he has a bad stretch and they drop him to AAA. And sure. even then, someone might hold on to him. So yeah. now, as soon as I see Mackenzie Gore get the call, uh, I absolutely love the stuff. I think this has he has ace potential. He's he gonna does. have a great. He's gonna have a great team behind him. I love it. Um, as soon as I see it, give me Gore. But like you said, not drafting. Even if he has the spot, like I, I, he needs to be on the roster and be yeah. starting for me to be there. That's fair. Um, he's not a. He's not a stash and hold for me. Let's talk about Hunter Green quickly to end the show. Um, the Reds' top prospect. He looked really good. Uh, he's pitched three innings so far this spring. That's over two starts. Uh, he did allow five hits, but struck out three. No walks. Uh, no runs given up. Uh, he looked really good the other day. What I want to say was Saturday against, I forget because it's spring training and I can't even begin to think that far. But uh, <laughs> he looked really good. And him and Vladimir Gutierrez were a one two punch and they went five scoreless innings between the two of them. Um, Hunter Green, only 22. He is going to get another start, or at least he's expected to pitch on Thursday. Whether we'll see after. That start on Thursday, whether they say, okay, great, enjoy AAA for a hot minute, or they say, welcome to the big leagues, kid. But either way, I think Hunter Green is the name that you have to look at. Talk to us about him. I mean, the stuff is just electric. So good. So so, He's so athletic and still so young. I think he's still, if he's not 20, if he's, yeah, he's 22 until August. That's just ridiculous. It seems like he's been around for so long. For a while now, yeah. So my thing with Hunter Green in terms of fantasy is, because of his age, because of his lack of experience, part of that because of an injury and part of that because, you know, the pandemic, I would imagine that he is going to be really in, we got to manage this dude's innings, especially for a team that right now does not look very good on paper. Mm-hmm. I think Hunter Green, though, because of the inning stuff, you might see Hunter Green become the closer of the Cincinnati Reds at some point in 2022. And that would be really intriguing to me. I think it's going to be really telling to see like how many innings they give him in this next mm-hmm. start. If they, if they have him going like four or five, then no, they're, they're going to, it's like the buildup for yeah. the try to stretch. But I do think there's that chance that he is a bullpen arm. And while there's not a ton of fantasy value in guys who aren't getting saves, he could be an exception. Even if he isn't the closer, Cause he's going to miss bats. Mm-hmm. Like you throw 103 miles per hour times clocked higher than that. You are going to miss. I don't care if it's the straightest thing to ever straight. It is going to get by hitters. There are right. going to be strikeouts here. Also a chance for some pretty poor rates in terms of some other stuff, because he's only pitching a couple of innings at a time. I think you got to ignore him to begin the year. But man, if he does make the major league roster, if like if they say you're going to be this bullpen option, I'm really considering stashing him because I do think there is a chance if the Reds do jump into contention and they think Hunter Green is the best option to finishing games, what a heck of a closer he could be knowing that long term he can still be a starter. 
if for some reason he walks out of that Thursday start, goes four innings to something scoreless, and they say, you know what, we're willing to stretch you out in the big league club, or does that change your opinion at all? At least I should say as a starter. Does uh, that change your opinion? For, for fantasy this year, yes. Then he becomes a guy that you're just you're waiting to see um, – because I don't think he's going to make the major league roster. I would imagine that Cincinnati, after all of these moves, is going to manipulate some service time for him and guys like Nick Lodolo. They're going yeah. to begin the year, I think, in AAA. Um, but definitely a guy I'm t- in NL only leagues for sure taking a look at because it's not so bad to have him on my bench until like the middle of May or whenever the heck he gets the call up. But if he's if he's a reliever, I think it's a lot easier to justify the draft pick. A weird thing to say. But I do think there is a chance, especially with Cincinnati's relief situation, that he is the guy who's saving games by the end of the year. Completely agree. I, look, that the strikeouts will be there whether he's a starter or a closer. Let, 100%. Or a reliever. Let's just see where he falls. But either way, the upside here is great. Keep an eye on Hunter Green uh, in, in a ballpark near you because he could be really special. So fun. But that just about finishes up our show for today. If you're picking up what we're throwing down over here at Circling the Bases, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. The more five-star reviews, the better your fantasy team is this year. I don't make up the rules. (laughs) Be sure to follow NBC Sports Edge on YouTube and Twitch as our live shows will be starting up in the coming weeks, as well as tons of great video content. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Don't Lie, and you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in Friday for our next episode with DJ and Drew, so make sure you don't miss it. Until then, enjoy the final four, stay safe out there, and as always, thanks for listening. Tom Smith is better than every player we mentioned today. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.